It's a time of the year where we are looking for a new way to spice up our venison. Attention all deer hunters, it's time to share your favorite recipes for a chance to be featured on the DNR's website and social media. The Wild Minnesota Recipe Exchange is a new initiative from the Minnesota DNR designed to connect hunters across the state. Do you have a recipe that carries special meaning? Something passed down from generations or a newly crafted recipe from your own kitchen? Wild Game Recipes give hunters a chance to fully appreciate their harvest, to share with friends and family, and to connect with nature. This deer season, we invite you to share your favorite venison recipe with the DNR for a chance to have it featured and inspire other hunters with a taste of your culture. Join us in the Wild Minnesota Recipe Exchange. Don't forget to share by November 30th and submit your recipe online at mdnr.gov forward slash recipe. This episode of the Do North Outdoors podcast is presented by Aquarius Home Services, Ace Solid Waste, Grain Belt Beer, the Minnesota Propane Association, and by the Minnesota Department of Natural Resources. Today I'm talking with Jared Mazurik, the Executive Director of the Minnesota Deer Hunters Association. We are in the heart of deer hunting season right now on the eve of Minnesota's deer hunting opener. We'll find out what the Minnesota Deer Hunters Association is doing to make deer hunting better for everyone. And hopefully we help you bag a big old buck this year. If nothing else, inspire you to get out and give it a shot. Welcome to another episode of the Do North Outdoors podcast. I am Travis Frank. I'm your host. Big thanks to Brandon Morton, our podcast producer, because he is back down at headquarters while I am up at deer camp right now, getting myself mentally and physically jacked for Minnesota's deer opener. Uh, oh gosh, we are like less than 24 hours away from opening day. It is a holiday that I look forward to every year. Um, I got up here late, late, late last night, and I have two of my boys with me this year that are going to be heading out into the deer stand. I told them because we got here so late last night that I want you to sleep in. You need to get rest. What did they do? They woke up early at first light, and they looked out the window and saw a buck following a doe across the field, and they have been up since well before the sun this morning. There is snow on the ground. Like I said, there was a buck following a doe. We are in peak of the rut here in Minnesota. If you listened to our podcast last week, we had Minnesota's DNR Big Game Program Coordinator. A lot of information on that episode, including when do bucks actually peak or peak of the rut or the peak of the buck activity, and when do the does actually go into heat? Some interesting nuggets there. I figured, hey, we're in the middle of deer season right now. Let's continue the conversation about deer hunting. So we're, we have Minnesota's um, executive director of the Minnesota Deer Hunters Association, Jared Mazurik, joining us today. Happy opener, Jared. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to be here. Uh, where are you at right now? Are you in, a, in your deer camp like I am or are you at home? Are you getting ready to head to camp? What, where, whereabouts are you at at this moment? I am halfway between home and deer camp. So I, I you just live pulled up over just on the north. side of the road for this. I, I did. Yes. <laughs> I love it. I love it. What part of the state do you hunt in? 
So I hunt a little bit at, at our place up in, we're just north of Grand Rapids, um, but then grew up hunting at our family's property uh, just west of Brainerd. And so that's where I'm on my way to right now. Oh, gotcha. So you're heading south then. That's right. I see. Well, <clears throat> let's do a quick little tour through the state's deer country. We touched on it, like I said, in the last episode, the DNR kind of gave us their their totals of where the deer herd stands throughout each region. But from your perspective at the Deer Hunters Association, um, how do you feel about our herd statewide and then regionally? Can you kind of give us a breakdown of, of where it stands? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are, are definitely areas in the state where the herd is is thriving, um, mostly in that, that central and, and um, urban part of the state, you know. We've got we've got too many deer there is what the DNR will tell you. And and then we've got areas where we don't have enough deer, um, specifically up in the, the northern part of the state, the arrowhead. The herd up there is really, really suffering. And mm -hmm. that's partially due to some severe winters we've had. But also we've got we've got to get our our predator management under control, um, specifically wolf management. Yeah, we, we discussed that a little bit last week too, and there's no doubt that that plays a big part in the deer herd itself. Um, let's let's do it this way. You know, the deer hunt, Minnesota Deer Hunters Association is not a part of the Minnesota Department of Natural Resources. It is a group that was formed. When when did the Deer Hunters Association form? Uh, 1980. We, we 1980. I, so I did a story on this. I think you were, I don't believe you worked there yet. Um, this was, gosh, I feel like it's almost 10 years ago now. But um, I did a story on the Minnesota Deer Hunters Association and how it came to be. And essentially what I learned was that many, many years ago, it was a brutal winter and some hunters had deer that had died, frozen carcasses. Literally the deer just froze to death and they brought them to the state capitol and put them on the steps of the capitol and said, something has to change. Somebody has to stand up for the deer and give them a voice. And that ultimately led to the Minnesota Deer Hunters Association. Is that, am I remembering it accurate? Yeah. Yeah. That's absolutely correct. It was that winter of 78, 79. Um, and that's exactly what a couple of passionate deer hunters from the Grand Rapids area did. They, they hauled some carcasses down and laid them on the steps. And, and then a year later, 1980, um, they decided to start a nonprofit. And so, like you said, we are, a entirely separate from the DNR. We're a, a standalone 501c3 nonprofit and and we're here to protect our, our deer herd and the future of deer hunting. Would you say, percentage-wise, how often do you agree and how often do you disagree with the DNR? That's a, that's a tough question. You know? <laughs> is it 50-50? Is it <laughs> well, you know, I think it's, it's more... Um, we're very, very supportive of the DNR in the research that they do, right? They are... They're the state agency with the funding to go out and get the data. And so we love supporting them in, in that endeavor. There are obviously some conflicts with what to do with that data um, that have come up over the years. And some areas of the state disagree more than other areas, if that, if that makes sense. Um, sure. Yep. 
So I, I couldn't really give you a percentage. We we try to follow the science and then follow what our members mandate us to do. Sure. No, that's a very politically correct way of responding because <laughs> I know yeah. that, oh gosh, the <laughs> topics you, you guys go to bat for on behalf of deer hunters, specifically, let's just, CWD being one of them. I mean, I mean, there mm-hmm. just are multiple viewpoints on that. There's a scientific side of it. There's the heart that speaks loudly from hunters. There's just, there's a lot that goes into it and managing it. And then on top of it, and this is a part, you know, Todd Froberg, who we had on last week, he and I talked about the fact that sometimes decisions that the DNR biologists and the team have to make in the field are determined by legislature and people that have been elected by the citizens of this state. And so it doesn't always follow the advice that they want to, uh, the, the science that they've gathered either. You know, and, and when it comes to the wolf management, now you're talking about a federally protected creature that obviously is eating deer, um, you know, and there are going to be a lot of deer hunters in Minnesota this in a few hours that they go out to their stand and sit there. And instead of seeing a deer walk by, they'll see a pack of wolves and they are fed up with it. And I think a lot of hunters would say rightfully so something needs to change there, too. What is the Minnesota Deer Hunters Association's stance on the wolf population in this state? And where do you feel like it needs to go? Yeah, yeah. And again, you know, we we follow the science. And science will tell you that every species needs to be managed. Um, every species has a carrying capacity, right? Mm-hmm. And when when we were looking at recovering the wolf population in the state of Minnesota, U.S. Fish and Wildlife set a recovery goal of 1,600 wolves in the state, and they didn't just throw that number out there because they felt like it, right? That was because that is what the landscape could support. Um, And then the DNR, you know, to provide a, a bit of a buffer, a little cushion, expanded that number from 1,600 up to, I believe it was, uh, 1,700, um, but right now, or sorry, 1,900, and right now we're at 2,700 wolves estimated within the state of Minnesota. So we are. Sign- okay. yeah, I actually thought it was closer to four. Estimate. Why would I have I heard 4,000 before? Like that number has been thrown around a little bit, or is that just that's not correct? Yeah, you know, people people have their own opinions based on on what they're seeing in their backyards, right? And yeah. so that that 2,700 that is a bare bones conservative estimate. They're doing that in the depths of winter when, you know, we've got the majority of winter kill of wolves is, has taken place and then pups haven't been born yet. So that is a conservative, that is the minimum number of wolves within the state. And it's at that, that 27, I I think it's officially 2,691 or something like that. But, but yeah, that is the official number. Um, And so you know, we're, we're well above that target recovery number within the state. And it's, it's just, it's not sustainable with, with our human population and our habitat loss, our habitat fragmentation. Um, you know, there's a, a number of, let's bring it back to white-tailed deer here. There's a number of factors that are, are working against deer. You know, we've got the severe winters, we've got predators and, you know, the, 
major predators are wolves, coyotes, and bears, right? Well, we do have active management for bears and coyotes. Why can't we have that for wolves? And obviously, mm-hmm. that's that's a federal issue. Right. Do you feel like anything is going to change soon based on what you guys have been working on and hearing? Yeah, you know, we're we're working hard. Um, it's it's definitely an uphill battle. Um, actually, a bill was introduced at the federal level this past year out of Colorado. Uh, the Trust the Science Act is what it was called. Um, and that is looking at, at returning wolf management back to the States. And it's, it's really just that trust the science, the science is there that wolves are recovered. Let's let States control their wolf population. And so we have been urging, um, all of our, our state senators and, um, representatives to support that bill. And then we're also working at the County commissioner level, um, especially within the wolf range to, to get our county commissioners to urge their rep, state reps to, uh, to support that legislation. Are you feeling overwhelmed by a growing to-do list and a shrinking schedule? Are you spending more time stressing over household repairs than enjoying life? Well, you're not alone. And Aquarius Home Services has your back. They are your trusted local, let us tackle your to-do list team. Aquarius Home Services is here to assist you, whether it's your furnace, electrical work, or plumbing that's giving you trouble. You choose a service, they will handle and fix it and take $98 off the repair costs. That's right. For any furnace, plumbing, or electrical repair, they're slashing $98 from the price. Watch your to-do list shrink while you get your precious time back. No more worrying about flickering lights, leaky toilets, or noisy furnaces. Their dedicated team of professionals will respect your home and your time. Aquarius believes in earning the right to be recommended, and I recommend them. They're just a click away at AquariusHomeServices.com. Are you tired of your job and wish that you could start a new career? Well, now you can. Ace Solid Waste is an award-winning waste management company, and they are looking for people just like you. A Solid Waste has over 60 years of experience servicing customers in the Minneapolis metro area, and their company is growing. Ace provides themselves on having safe, reliable, friendly, and professional employees that set their team apart. Their talented staff will run you through Ace University and prepare you for the position that best fits your skill sets. From truck driver operator to mechanic, operations to customer service, there is a perfect role at Ace waiting just for you. Plus, you'll receive competitive salary, benefits, and paid vacation. Life is short. Don't stay at a job that's not right for you. Experience the Ace difference today. Check them out at acesolidwaste.com. Where... um does the majority of your members reside? Is it a pretty even mix statewide or are you heavy in different parts of the state? Yeah, we are. So we have 60 chapters throughout the state. Um, some chapters are, are definitely bigger than others. We have some, some chapters that are maybe 50 to a hundred people. And then we have chapters that are 500 people strong. Um, but really that distribution varies or is, is spread pretty evenly across the state as well. Um, so we do have a few spots where we're working on on starting chapters or recruiting more members. And really, that's more the, the southwest corner of the state. And then 
we have had some membership decline up in the Arrowhead region, um, just with less people hunting up there. Sure. Yeah. Um, and how long have you been with the organization now? I'm coming up on a year. I started January 1st, so still pretty new. Why did you take the position and is it everything you thought it was going to be? Oh, it's, it's everything and more. (laughs) (laughs) In a good way or not good way? (laughs) Oh, in a good way, for sure. You know, um, the, the position has its challenges for sure, but I'm not the type of person that, that wants to show up, clock in, clock out and, and have a normal day. You know, I like the challenge. I like, I like, uh, having, having this role, you know, we get to weigh in on pretty big major decisions and, and it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a very dynamic role. Um, what's your biggest position? Oh, sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off there, but what is your biggest challenge that you face? Yeah. I mean, it's a big state. It's a diverse state and, and wildlife management in general is a big topic with, with a lot going on. (laughs) And then when you look at the state of Minnesota and different priorities, depending on where you are and having members in all of those states weighing in on, on what our strategies should be, you really have to try to balance all of those different perspectives and, and keep it as democratic as possible to, to help steer the, the organization in a direction that fits the majority. Well, and I'm sure you have a lot of passionate members too. I mean, deer hunters are passionate people to begin with. And a lot of them have their opinions and some of them are right. Some of them might be misguided. Some of them aren't speaking for every hunter and as a whole, but I've, Got to imagine you've heard a lot from hunters around the state. What's the number one, let's call it uh, complaint or topic that you hear from your members, the deer hunters in Minnesota? Yeah. Um, well, I couldn't give you a number one because if I'm in the northern half of the state, number one is wolves, wolves right? Yep. Number two, I'm, I'm guessing the, CWD in the south, east. You got it. Yep. yep. You got it. So. Um, and not to say that CWD does, doesn't matter statewide. You know, we've mm-hmm. got cases in Beltrami County and Grand Rapids city limits in the last few years. So CWD is definitely a priority statewide, but, but up in the Northern part of the state, it's wolves are our number one. So what's, what's the Minnesota deer hunters association stance on CWD right now? Yeah, we are in favor of, of really all measures to control the spread of CWD. Um, our biggest initiative was to get more regulations on our captive cervid farms, um, which we had a, a really productive legislative session this past year and got a lot of policy changes that we've been advocating for for years um, to pass through. And so that was that was really good for us, and and we're excited to see the outcomes of that legislation. Hoping to see some progress there, but it's it's going to be a never-ending battle, right? It's mm-hmm. it's a big big issue across the country, and um, I feel like the state of Minnesota has done pretty pretty well so far with in terms of our wild deer herd, um, and we just need to stay ahead of it so that we can keep it that way. What is the um, financial impact of deer hunting in Minnesota. Do you have that number off head offhand? I, I don't, um, it's in the billions, right? 
Yeah, I want to say it's 1.5 to 2 billion, somewhere in that range. So, I mean, it is, it's huge and it's a way of life. It's more than money. I mean, as I sit here with my kids and we're going to meet up with several other families and have just what I think is one of the best weekends of the entire year, look forward to it. I've actually been dreaming about what it's going to look like when that buck walks into my shooting lane. I'm uh, just like, I, I love it. I love everything about it. It's, it's so, I couldn't imagine not being able to go out and, you know, and when you look at something as huge as CWD and, you know, there's some people that don't, don't do anything, just let it be. And it's natural and it's been here forever and deer pass it on. They've passed it on forever, you know, and you get that, uh, some, some arguments say, you know, don't wipe out the deer herd in this area because one tested positive for it. Um, but I just think it's too big to just see what happens, you know, and I don't have the biology behind me. I don't have the science telling me all this information. I, I do hear from a lot of biologists that say, you know, like we need to tackle this hard. And it sounds like that's the stance that the Deer Hunters Association stands with as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's correct. And, and we have seen, you know, for example, parts of Wisconsin have taken that approach of, of it's going to happen. Let's let it do its thing. And it is, I want to say, I can't remember the name of the County, but 65 to 70% of the deer within this area of Wisconsin are now CWD positive. And we never want to get to that point. I mean, this is a, it's a disease that if contracted, which it's highly contagious, if contracted, it's a hundred percent fatal. There is no cure. There is no prevention. And we don't ever want to get to that point where a majority or even, even a large portion of our deer herd in the state of Minnesota has CWD because, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you know, the, the recommendation is to not eat CWD positive venison and I live off venison. So. Right. I do uh, as well. Yeah. I, yeah. I know it, it's, a, it's a scary thought. So this year there are stations, um, around the state and I, I encourage people to check their regulations and find out, you know, like if, if there are some areas where if you shoot a deer on opening weekend, you have to go and register it and person and then do a sampling, right? Yep. Yep. That's correct. Anywhere. Uh, that is still under, and I can't remember the exact terms, but CWD management or monitoring zone, whatever their terms are, um, it is mandatory testing for opening weekend. Um, but there is also optional testing. If you're outside of one of those zones or you get a deer um, outside of this weekend, you can optionally test. There are at-home test kits. They're absolutely free. You can get them from the DNR. You can get them from Minnesota Deer Hunters Association will ship them right to your house. It's already a prepaid label to, to send it in for for testing, and it has all the materials that you'll need, including instructions to to be able to do the the lymph node extraction yourself. Do you um, do you know how long it takes to get the results back? So it depends on volume, right? So during archery season, I was hearing as quickly as seven to ten days. Um, I would imagine after this weekend with the volume that they'll be getting in the labs, it'll be more uh, on the 14 day range, but it's, it's relatively quick, right? Um, 
I don't know. I grew up. You, if you shot your deer, you were, you were having the tenderloins that night. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we're, we're kind of, unfortunately in an era where personally I'm not, I'm not comfortable doing that. Right. So I, I do wait for the test results and, and then we have the tenderloins. Yep. Gotcha. Well, uh, one of the big deals that the Minnesota Deer Hunters Association does every year is called Hides for Habitat. Um, I don't remember when that began. I'm sure you do, Jared. But tell us about that program and what it does for other people. Yeah, yeah. So Hides for Habitat is one of my favorite programs that we run. Um, we started that back in 1982, so pretty early on after starting the organization. And really what it is, is it's a recycling program. We take harvested deer hides that are, are donated by hunters, um, and we then turn around, do a little bit of processing, and sell them to a fur buyer to be turned into gloves or uh, fishing lures or whatever they decide to do with it. But we take all of those proceeds and then turn that into habitat restoration projects around the state. And so to date, we have collected over a million deer hides and raised over $5.9 million in funds that have gone to Minnesota Habitat Restoration. Um, so that's a program that we're pretty proud of and is going right now. So we have orange hide drop boxes all around the state. Uh, you've probably seen them, I hope, at, at a local mm -hmm. gas station or um, gear store hardware store, whatever. Um, but if you go to mndeerhunters.com, uh, you'll be able to see a list of where all of our hide drop stations are and actually type in your, your zip code and find the one nearest you. So who actually goes out and picks up the hides? You're not doing that, are you? No, no, I have helped out a little bit, but, um, all of our chapters. So as I mentioned, we have 60 chapters around the state. And so they all put out five to, to 10 of those drop boxes and then they kind of monitor those and then our fur buyer will come and collect from the chapter. I'm just curious, what does a hide go for? Yeah. So, I mean, it, it fluctuates year to year, but if we look at the, you know, million hides and we've raised 5.9 million, we could average a hide at about $6 over the years. Hmm. Do you guys have any projects on your website that you can say the money we raised from hunters that donated their deer hides back have contributed to purchasing this property that now is open to public hunting or certain habitat projects that you can say this is where it's gone because i think when people see that and they see it and they're like oh wow i want to do more of that let's everybody should do this why are we not all doing it um is there any way to see those projects? Yeah, so that's that's something that we, we are working on um, is getting uh, an interactive map on our website to show all of the habitat projects that we've done. Um, we're also putting up signs on all of these projects. So if you were to you know go to a WMA or a state forest um, trailhead, you might see a, a MDHA sign there. Mm -hmm. Um, but so we don't, we don't have that yet, but it is something that we're working on, on getting mapped out for people to see. Um, but I will tell you that we have restored over 75,000 acres of public land. Wow. When you say restore, what does that, what does that look like? 
Yeah, that could uh, look like anything from invasive species removal to creating wildlife openings um, to uh, we do a lot of conservation seed planting. So we'll actually go out and plant uh, food sources for wildlife that is entirely left for wildlife. Um, so there's a, a number of different ways that we help to improve the habitat. Um, but yeah, it's been over 75,000 acres now. So as you're heading to deer camp here, when we wrap this up, um, what's your uh, outlook? How do you feel about, you know, the central part of the state there in the Brainerd area? I mean, obviously there's thousands and thousands of hunters in that part of the state, um, but there are thousands and thousands of deer out there too. I mean, what's a normal day look like for you? Are you by yourself? Do you have kids with you? Do you have anybody else that you bring out? How many deer do you normally see? What do you consider a good hunt? Yeah, yeah. You know, I consider, I'm going to start with your last question. I consider every hunt a good hunt, you know. Mm -hmm. um, some of my best hunting memories, I didn't even see a deer, you know. But I I had a great time in the woods and got to relax and, and disconnect from work for a little bit. <laughs> and it's always a good thing. Um, but yeah, so I will be joining my parents, my mom and dad, um, as well as my sister and brother-in-law, uh, this weekend for, for opener. Um, and really my expectations are hopefully to see some deer. Um, and I'm not, I'm not a trophy hunter by any means. I, I'm in it for the sustenance and that high quality meat. So I'm going to shoot, um, you know, whatever, whatever comes by that is a, a mature animal and, and going to feed the family. And if it happens to have some, some antlers on it, that's, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. I, I go back into this public forest and, um, I, to me, a successful hunt is, it looks different every year. Um, you know, I just love to sit all day and, I, you know, there's a lot of parts of deer camp that are special to me. I've got two boys. My two boys are going to be sitting with me this year. And there's something about just being still out there for a while. And they're young, seven and nine. So their attention span isn't like mine. Um, don't expect it to be. But we've got books. We've got snacks. We've got food. And last year, my nephew and my son came with. And we were able to stay all day. And occasionally a deer would walk out. And and, you know, we'd make a decision. Are we going to take this one or not? And, you know, just the ability to watch that animal without being disturbed. You know, I I like to sit and hunt and, and be still. I don't like to chase them. I like to watch how they interact and how they move. And, you know, what's amazing to me is how many people get out of the stand at about 9 in the morning, 9 a.m., and that's about the time when things really get good, in my opinion. And from about 9 <laughs> to 1 p.m. is like the best time. If you're in the woods, that seems to be when I start seeing the bucks. And everyone's back at camp and uh, and they'll check in and say, how's it going out there? And I'll say, oh, I just saw three bucks in the last 20 minutes. And they're like, wow, well, we should be back out there in the sand. And I tell them every day. Yes. Nothing changes. Every year it's the same. The bucks are moving <laughs> late morning, early afternoon. It's the best time to be out there. But there's just this 
they can't sit still. Got to go back. Got to got to hear what everyone else is doing. Got to get down. I mean, the weather is almost ideal tomorrow. I looked at the forecast before you and I um, started this conversation and low to mid 30s winds light and variable. And I don't think you could ask for a better condition. You don't want it to be too warm. Those bucks, those does, they'll be up on their feet all day tomorrow. Obviously, opening weekend is when the majority of the harvest happens. Any guess as to what we're going to hit this year for a harvest number? I, you know, I don't want to speculate too much. Um, I know we have been trending down over the past few years, but I would like to see that get back up. So we'll mm-hmm. see. Yeah, I think we're just under a half a million hunters that will hit the fields and forests in the next couple of days here. That's that's kind of, you know, uh, as of a week ago, that's kind of the expectation for license sales. There's going to be a lot of license sold here. Uh, the eve of opener, people heading up, they stop. They get their license, and so we won't know the numbers. It's a time of the year where we are looking for a new way to spice up our venison. Attention all deer hunters, it's time to share your favorite recipes for a chance to be featured on the DNR's website and social media. The Wild Minnesota Recipe Exchange is a new initiative from the Minnesota DNR designed to connect hunters across the state. Do you have a recipe that carries special meaning? Something passed down from generations or a newly crafted recipe from your own kitchen? Wild Game Recipes give hunters a chance to fully appreciate their harvest, to share with friends and family, and to connect with nature. This deer season, we invite you to share your favorite venison recipe with the DNR for a chance to have it featured and inspire other hunters with a taste of your culture. Join us in the Wild Minnesota Recipe Exchange. Don't forget to share by November 30th and submit your recipe online at mdnr.gov forward slash recipe. This message is brought to you by the Minnesota Propane Association. Clean, affordable, reliable energy. These are all the things that people want for their homes and businesses. The one source of energy in Minnesota that can offer all of these benefits is propane. Clean. Propane produces 43% fewer emissions than the equivalent amount of the electricity generated from the U.S. grid. Affordable. According to the U.S. Department of Energy, propane costs approximately 30% less than electricity in the U.S. The savings in Minnesota can even be higher. Reliable. Propane is energy stored on site, independent of the grid. Propane can power your home or business anytime you need it. Energy. Propane is a direct energy source used at your home or business, unlike electricity, which is produced somewhere away from your home. By the time electricity gets to your home, 66% of the energy used to produce it is lost. That is why propane is approximately three times more efficient than electricity. Propane, the right energy right now. For more information on what propane can do for you and the environment, go to propane.com. A toast to the hunters from your friends at Grain Belt. May the mornings be clear and the fresh air be crisp. May you find solace in the silence. May the stillness settle your soul. May your long shot stay true. May your heart roam free. May you find what you seek in the fields you stock. May your call to the wild be answered. And at the end of the day, may you share the thrill of the hunt with your friends. So here's to the eight pointers and the 12 ounces. Here's to you and to your thirst for adventure. Bring Grain Belt to the outdoors with our limited edition premium hunting season pack. This season, enter to win a hunting trip for two to Brown's Hunting Lodge, wherever you can find premium 12 and 24 pack cans. For more information, visit our website at grainbelt.com forward slash hunting dash trip. Historically, 
how many hunters are successful? Do you have that information? You know, one out of every three hunters bags a deer, one out of every five. I mean, it depends on deer camp and, you know, how serious some hunters are. But like licensed sales versus harvest, do you know roughly what that stands at? I, I, I don't, I mean, you know, it, okay. it's really unit dependent as well. Um, you know, I was looking at, uh, up in the arrowhead cause we've been focusing a lot on that area and there are some units up there that, how oh, six years ago, I, I want to say is how far, how far back I looked and it was a 33% success rate up there. And then the past couple of years, it's been 11 to 12%. Ooh. Um, so yeah, you know, we're, we're definitely seeing a decline up, up in that neck of the woods, but I, I couldn't speculate statewide on success at this point. Okay. Do you, what's a, is it down in the metro area? Is that the highest percentage or is it the Brainerd area or Southeast Minnesota? I know Southeast was always like big buck, you know, Caledonia and, and that area of the state, the bluff country was always where the big bucks are always taken. Is it still the case? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, Central and West Central definitely has a, a significant deer herd right now. Um, but really where we're tr- one of the only areas in the state where we're trying to reduce the size of the herd is in that metro area. Um, so there are a lot of deer there and and we're seeing a lot of vehicle collisions and, and all of that because of it. I mean, I think most hunters would say we want more deer. We want more deer. Everyone wants to see more deer, but what are the risks of having too many deer? When you say we want to reduce the population size, why is that? Besides, obviously, colliding with them on with your car. Yeah, yeah, and and sorry when I said when I say we, um, that was more you know what the the science has shown on deer management within the state where we need to increase and decrease. That wasn't necessarily MDHA. Um, but again, kind of going back to what we were talking about with wolves is every species has a carrying capacity and what MDHA stands for is ecological sustainability, right? We want to see every species thrive within an ecosystem. And that means that we need to keep them in balance, right? We can't let one species be overpopulated at the detriment of another. And so that's where we kind of need to to see that metro population ideally disperse and you know maybe head up north. <laughs> <laughs> Can they just bring a bunch of them from the metro and put them in the Arrowhead? <laughs> I know it's not that easy, but sometimes you know it just seems like it would make so much sense. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. If, if if somebody listening right now is a deer hunter, maybe you're not even a deer hunter, and that's okay. But if you wanted to support the organization that goes to work on behalf of wildlife. Um, why would you tell them it's important for them to become a member of the Minnesota Deer Hunters Association? Yeah, you know, a lot of reasons. Um, so our three main pillars of the the work that we do are habitat. So we do a lot of habitat conservation, like I mentioned, over 75,000 acres. And, and we are the Minnesota Deer Hunters Association, but that habitat work is benefiting all species and all citizens of of the state of Minnesota. Um, whether you're out there to deer hunt or you're out there to bird watch, uh, this habitat is is a benefit to you. Um, and then education is another big piece. We want we want our youth to be outdoors, be comfortable outside, be safe outside, 
And so we have a, a lot of work that goes into our, our education programs. We run summer camps. Um, we've had over 15,000 kids go through our summer camp programs. Um, and then the other piece is the uh, advocacy and legislation. So we're very active on, on state policies and um, we're really advocating on behalf of hunters, conservationists, and recreationists statewide. Gotcha. Well, we'll leave it at that. Uh, appreciate everything that you and your team are working on, all the members out there, uh, everyone that's excited to head to the deer stand this weekend. I wish you luck. Jared, I hope you get a shot at exactly the deer that is just right for you. Maybe it's a trophy buck, maybe it's a trophy doe, but in my opinion, they're all trophies and we're just fortunate that we have the opportunity here to go out and hunt, to bring our kids with, to bring others with along and to share in the harvest. Um, yeah, I think, I think unless you have anything you want to include here, we'll just let you get on your way to deer camp. It sounds great. Well, thank you so much for your time. Yep. Good luck to everybody out there. It's one of the best holidays of the year. Deer season is here. We'll be back <laughs> in a few days with another episode of the Do North Outdoors podcast. Mm-hmm.